The pages of a book are filled with great adventures, stories of everlasting love, heartbreak, and the classic whodunit. Explore them all with your host, Laura Young. Welcome to Read Astray. Hello, I'm Laura Young, reading teacher at All Good Middle School and avid reader in general. Today I'm reviewing The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. This is a prequel to the very popular Hunger Games series originally published between 2008 and 2010 and subsequently made into a series of films starring Jennifer Lawrence, Donald Sutherland, and Liam Helmsworth. The Hunger Games series is dystopian fiction set in a future version of the United States known as Pan Am. Though a prequel to the Hunger Games series, this title is quite different, but then so is the book. The title, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, is a nod to William Wordsworth's ballad and a reference to one of the characters, Lucy Gray Baird, and her ability to charm with her songs and ballads. In 1991, the author, Suzanne Collins, began her professional career writing for children's television. She worked on the staffs of several Nickelodeon shows, and while working on a kid's WB show, she met a children's author and illustrator who talked her into giving children's books a try. Since then, she has written two children's books and two series for middle readers, The Hunger Games series and The Underland Chronicles. That start in children's TV and stories seems a far stretch to The Hunger Games to me. As far as the characters, the main character is Coriolanus Snow. If you're familiar with the Hunger Games series, he is President Snow. But in this story, he is an 18-year-old student. His family, once wealthy, lost their money and position during the dark days following the war. Snow, his cousin Tigress, and their grandmother do their best to maintain their large apartment in the capital while surviving largely on cabbage soup and lima beans. Snow tries desperately to keep the family's poverty a secret. When he is chosen to be a mentor to one of the tributes in the Tenth Hunger Games, he sees this as an opportunity to earn a free ride to university. Lucy Gray Baird is the tribute to whom Snow is assigned. At first, he is discouraged by receiving a tribute who's not only a girl, but a girl from District 12. But when she garners audience favor during the reaping by breaking out in song after having dropped a snake down the dress of the mayor's daughter, Snow feels there may be some chance with her. Casca Highbottom is the dean of the academy and credited for creating the Hunger Games. Doped up on Morphling, he has a dark secret in his past and seems to bear a grudge against young Snow. Baluma Gall is the head game maker of the Tenth Hunger Games. She works in the Capitol's Experimental Weapons Division and is also a top professor at the Capitol's university. She believes people are inherently violent and is convinced that the war is eternal and must be managed. She also has a large role in cementing Snow's elitist ideas. There are many other tributes and mentors and other characters, but few receive much description other than Sejanus Plinth, the mentor for the District 2 male tribute. He is from District 2 himself, although he now lives in the capital. He still sympathizes with those in the district. He is probably the closest thing to a friend that Snow has, but he is also the complete antithesis of Snow. You're listening to Red Astray. I'm Laura, your book review host from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. 
And Sinoakley on West Jackson Street in Cookville offers Zoom teeth whitening. For a wider, brighter smile, visit Henson Oakley Family Dentistry to see if Zoom teeth whitening is right for you. Today's review is on the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The novel is set in the world of Pan Am 64 years before the events of the original Hunger Games trilogy on the morning of the reaping of the 10th Hunger Games, well before the lifetime of our hero, hero Katniss Everdeen. This was during the Reconstruction period, 10 years after the war, commonly referred to as the Dark Days, as the country of Pan Am struggled to get back on its feet. Having just come out of a war against the district, the capital lacks the resources to make the games into more than brutal, minimalist punishment. The 24 tributes are housed in filthy zoo enclosures with little to do before they're thrown into a literal sports arena filled with only a handful of weapons. Quite a departure from what we know as the games now. Coriolanus Snow, future president of Pan Am, is just 18 years old. He is one of the Snows, a once mighty house in the capital, but now on the edge of desolation. He's desperate to preserve the image of his family and find a way to claw his way back to the top. When he is assigned to be mentor, his graduation is now tied to the Hunger Games, He's been given the girl from District 12, and he must find a way to bring her to the top. Despite her being wholly and completely below him, after all, she's district and he's capital, he finds himself drawn to her and her light. But there's a darkness within Snow, a darkness that he's willing to embrace to get what he wants. He waffles back and forth between his supposed feeling for Lucy and his desire to succeed. Snow notes how hardly anyone in all of Pan Am watches the event. It's such a bluntly cruel punishment that even capital citizens find it hard to stomach. As he strategizes about how best to endear Lucy Gray to the public, he realizes the capital might care more about the games if they cared about the tributes. He brainstorms how to do so, how to make them care, and many ideas that can be found in the original trilogy emerge. Capital citizens can bet on the winner and send them gifts in the arena and tributes, interview um, to persuade viewers to care about them, and form alliances. Snow's character is hardly ever lovable. Even his best moments are manipulative and calculated. Collins does a great job of creating charming, insincere interactions between Snow and his acquaintances, friends, and enemies that showcase his desire to protect and advance his status. His need for control and order is highlighted not just through his additions to the games, but in his relationships. He constantly refers to the girl he loves possessively as his girl and is fraught with jealousy concerning her ex, though she expresses no interest in, in him. As much as readers might pity his circumstances and be impressed with his ambition, he would be distinctly unlikable even without the foresight of his future in the Hunger Games. Readers may root for him to make the right choice while knowing that he just won't. So while we get to know the boy who became President Snow and we discover why he became the villain he is, this is also the story of the evolution of the games into the spectacle we see by the 75th Games. Perhaps even more than this book tells Snow's backstory, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes explains the creation of the games as we come to know them. Now, 
If I'm being brutally honest, none of the books in the series are examples of outstanding literary merit and writing. That being said, I am a huge fan of the series. I enjoyed the first book because its plot was so different and so graphic. The concept of the games was intriguing and interesting to read. And I love books with strong female characters, especially books for middle readers. They need to see that females and other minorities can be leaders. Katniss was just such a character. She was brave, smart, cunning, and loyal. When I started the second book, Catching Fire, I at first thought it was going to be a boring letdown, but the actual games were far more entertaining than even those in the first. However, I did not at all enjoy Mocking Jay, the third book in the series. Katniss, who had been so strong in the first books, now could not make a decision. She waffled back and forth among various scenarios, plans, and even love interest. The book was the longest in the series, but all of the action and interest occurred in the last few chapters. It was almost as if Suzanne Collins was tasked with writing the third book, but didn't have a plot, so Katniss kept meandering in her decisions until near the very end when Collins finally figured it out. But because overall I did truly enjoy the series, I was hopeful for this prequel. The very concept of the book was intriguing. You know, getting to know President Snow as a boy and discovering what made him so ultimately vile and evil. I mean, I love a good villain and what they bring to a story. And overall, I did enjoy this story, though it was quite different from the others. First, it's written in a third-person point of view and told by a narrator who was limited to just Snow's perspective. The other books were told by Katniss, and therefore readers got a deeper and more insightful glimpse into her her thoughts. As I read others' reviews of this book, it was either a love or hate rating. Many said it was boring and meandering, much as I had described Mockingjay, while others thought it was good as a character study and a backstory to the games. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes digs a little deeper. It's interested not just in the fact of the murder of the children, but why— It's more of a curiosity, a cold-blooded philosophical inquiry that adds depth to the original three books, but it's not essential reading. I loved the tie-ins to the trilogy. I loved getting to learn the valley song that made Peta fall in love with Katniss and the origins of the hanging tree. It was interesting to read about a District 12 that was free to go to the meadow and the lake and free to play music in the hob. All in all, I think it's definitely a book worth reading, especially if you're a big fan of the trilogy, because it does give background into Pan Am as well as Corylana Snow. I wish there had been more background on Pan Am and how it came to be, but I guess it's always possible that she'll write more books. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm always open for book recommendations or ideas. You can access me through social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tune in again next time for another book review. Until then, happy reading. You've been listening to Red Astray. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.